All right, everybody, welcome back. Zeus with Bruce podcast here with a dear friend of mine, Charles. How we doing? Doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, man, dude. I mean, how can I have this guy on? First, you guys can't see through the audio because there's no vision. We're rocking a very similar hairstyle, and I definitely resonate with that. <laughs> dude, your, your hair wasn't the song when we met. Your hair wasn't the song no. when we met. It was, uh, yeah. I, I think yeah. I was going through one of my short hair phases, um, oh, working man. at my corporate gig this. and everything. Oof. We're getting right into yeah. it. Well, because, yeah, the corporate gig is sort of, is like a cookie cutter, kind of puts you in this structure. I mean, you take it away, and how do you feel that it connected with your hair being short and kind of an identity in a way, right? Because here it's more Absolutely. And... Go on. Yeah, man. you know, uh, it, it's funny, like, a couple of rules I was taught and it, it's funny how this ties into identity and career um, and even what led up to who I was at the time when we met really came down to, you know, certain rules such as, you know, don't get tattoos below uh, the elbow, um, you know, enjoy long hair now so that you can get a high paying job later where that job is going to require you to look clean cut and mm. Um, you know, other sorts of little nuances like that, that ultimately meant I felt that I could not be who I wanted to be at the job. And so now we're in a place where that uh, world is now being encouraged and um, uh, they're being encouraged to allow people to be themselves, uh, to help them be their most authentic self as a way to encourage uh, what their energy looks like. And yep. so for me, when I had short hair, um, it was, it was, it was devastating afterwards when I found out that I didn't need to cut my hair at all because oh, I was in inside man. sales. Oh, so, dude, I'd be so upset. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> ultimately so it was this big conundrum. Jeez, man. Yeah. Cause that was what, so then let's, let's just give some kind of a time frame that was, 2019 just about yeah yeah right before 2020 yeah. began because we had touch base we went to a wedding of a mutual friend of ours uh in india of all places i was in israel at the Seriously. time you were in florida so you were in florida right before you no went? i was still in nashville at that time oh, you were still there. um okay. and uh yeah that was that was shortly before the pandemic that was the last oh time God. i had traveled outside of the u.s um it was oh, definitely man. worth it um, oh, I think I said yes within like three days of oh. needing to fly out, you know? <laughs> Wait, really? That much? It was that sort of time that you had? Yeah, I, I had to rush to get everything taken care of as far as um, oh, it's just international approvals. Um, it was it was a, an around-the-clock race, uh, but I was right. like, you know what? If, um, if I can just get my ticket and everything else is going to be good, I think that's a fair experience, you know? Right. Oh, 100%. 100%. So then that's when you're saying, like, that was not the genesis, but when your hair was in such a different spot, right? Because you had cut it, and then you realized, like, you know, you're kind of adopting this identity in a way, and there was some inner conflict, because when we met, at, it was a five, like, what was that, like a five-day wedding, seven-day wedding or something? It was oh, a lot. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it, was, it, was, um, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, and so that inner conflict at the time, it's funny. It, it wasn't even related to just hair. It was also mm. related to this entire um, 
crisis that I was in. Um, you know, most folks, um, I, I think, could relate when it comes to like what experiencing a heartbreak feels like, and Ooh. like mm -hmm. when when you're walking through that along with other uh, uh, difficult family matters and other. Mm -hmm. Uh, struggles that I had going on at the time, such as um, I was dealing with some really hefty destructive habits, um, oh, addictions, yeah. uh, substance abuse. And mm -hmm. it was those things ultimately that um, I tried to solve, for example, through body modification, changing my hair color, cutting my hair, ultimately shaving my hair, um, getting all sorts of piercings and tattoos, um, anything that I could to try and become a person that I liked rather than recognizing where I was at and being able to just accept that present moment and live in the beauty of just having breath in my lungs, you know? Wow. And ultimately that's where everything changed. So what was the catalyst that you're saying the breath in your lungs? Was there a moment that it was a near death experience? It was just an intense realization. What was the catalyst there or really the tipping point? So I actually posted about this fairly recently. Um, there was a couple of tipping points. Um, and it, it, I, I, I would like to say I'm a pretty extreme personality. Uh, so when it comes mm. to things such as near-death experiences, sure. you know, some people will have one where it's like, hey, we flipped a car going 85 an hour. Um, for me, it was more that, about... That, goodness, did, man. You, literally. Yeah. I mean, he's, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing the quick story. It's like, yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. 85 miles, car flips, and then, yeah. It's a mess. Yeah, and... It, it yeah absolutely and it's one of those things where like um i by by the point that i had started really entering and accepting that i was in a life crisis um in my early 20s i had already by then uh been in a uh a car wreck as a passenger where um we hit a pole um, oh it, it was almost head on i swear to you by the grace of God, that car moved an inch over, and we were yeah. able to fly past, past just a little bit. That um, that I'm now, you know, still alive. And so, mm. I had already had a fair share of near death experiences. Um, that being one of the major ones. But like, what happened was I was in a, um, I was I was living it up. You know, I I had I had the sales gig. I was making big money. Um, and I was, I was making lots of stupid decisions. I was getting drunk every night. I was um, really not living the life that I knew I was supposed to be living. And I got to this moment where I just got a little too drunk and I was all alone. And so I decided to hit a bar. Um, and after the bar, I went to the bathroom a little bit. And I and then I got in front of the mirror and this 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 empty feeling started welling up inside of me and I punched the mirror oh. and right as I punch it, someone walks into the bathroom. And so I, I kind of just run out pretending like nothing just happened, but I felt this emptiness that I had never acknowledged before. And it was always there. But for the first time I really had an awareness of, of that, that emptiness, the hurt, the traumas that had boiled up in my life that I had been trying to get rid of but I was trying to solve those traumas and those problems 
by buying my way out of it or trying to mm -hmm. bury them, ignore them, run away from them. And ultimately, the substances were a way to suppress what I was going through. But mm -hmm. we all know that suppression doesn't work because ultimately it's like a canister of gas. And at some point, that canister is going to pop a leak somewhere and everything goes wrong with that when it finally happens. Mm -hmm. And that was the first moment for me that, you know, it, things hit the fan, man. And, Wait, um, that wasn't the first moment, or you're saying that was like the that, so that was one of the biggest okay uh, okay. So like, I think this is so important to notice too, because yeah. a lot of the times there are some events that are small, then you manage to survive it or get a get away with it without any repercussions, but you never really get away with anything, right? It's like there's a constant score that's kept over the course of your life, and either you're voting for one of two sides, right? You're voting for the side that's going to be in alignment with your values and what you want. Or the opposite yeah. that's going to be destructive and destroyed from the inside out. So for this, it's like there was a lot of things coming up, and then this one was really a tipping point. Absolutely. That's yeah, so we should we, we should definitely touch on this moment um, on this yeah. topic later of uh, creation versus destruction, um, okay. alluding to it a little bit. Uh, it's this template that I've used to explain every part of my life when it comes to. Uh, the fact that there's no such thing as neutrality and a lot of people are too scared to create, but they are also too scared to destroy. And ultimately, mm -hmm. there's good ways of addressing both. But if you're neutral, you're actually living in destructive habits, um, which ultimately, you know, it steals from our future. So yeah. um, so really quick, jumping back. Yeah, when, <laughs> after I had uh, punched the mirror, I kind of just went back to the bar and from there, everything became a blur. Next thing I know, it's 3 a.m. I'm sitting in my car covered in puke. And I and I look at my phone. And apparently, I've been on a phone call for about two and a half hours with my friend. And he says, look, man, everything's going to be okay. And I just remember in that single moment, crying and laughing. Like, my, this is it. This is the end. This is the end of the road. My life stopped. And I remember shouting at the top of my lungs, I don't want to be alive anymore. Oh, and from there, I hung up the phone and I jumped out of the car and I'm in this huge parking lot. I just scream and the void of emptiness. You can hear the, the city sirens in the background. You can hear the, the cars on the highway in the background and there's no response. You know, I hear nothing. I feel nothing other than the rage that I have allowed to boil up. And ultimately, we know that those are secondary types of emotions, anger, um um madness frustration those those frustration, yeah. sorts of things mm -hmm. uh secondary you know i didn't recognize the pain that was being caused which ultimately led to this frustration of why do i feel this way because i didn't understand the pain that i was feeling i didn't know about triggers trauma how to process difficult um uh, situations that have happened um and so that was the tipping point where um, where after I had gotten home, um, I started doing some research and I Googled how to fix your brain. And that <laughs> was when right. everything started to really take a, a crazy change because Ooh. I'll um, I'll mention what, something you said earlier. Um, it was it was about. um nothing changes until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain mm. of change. 
Yeah, and so, that was in the, uh, yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, yeah, there, that's in one of the earlier yeah. ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, man. Yep, so that was where this all began was I realized, oh my goodness, I don't like where I'm at. It's time It's time to make some changes, you know? You reach the threshold is what they call it, right? So it's like a threshold of pain. Yeah. That At that point, it's like, yeah, if you continue the same behavior, it's like the same thing for me. I'll just use a much simpler one, not that, not one that's on the same level. Like, let's just say biting my nails. It's always been a terrible habit. It's there that comes from it. And... I would do it and then to some points i do it where my cuticles would come off and i'd start bleeding mm. it'd be painful i thought oh, you know what ah, this hurts no it's like it's really not that bad so you keep justifying justification but then at a certain point you know i realized that in a certain field that i'm entering now in business with working with people and stuff like that you know if you really want to talk about health and taking care of yourself and you're not doing it and they can see your fingers it's gonna be bad so for myself i didn't want to continue like the pain of not changing was going to lose me the ability to work with people and have conversations like these. So then I got to a point saying, yeah, it's got to change. And that's yeah. so low level, the same kind of template. So what you're talking about, but please continue with the threshold. <laughs> Absolutely. So from, I just to see, um, set the understanding, I do yeah. not agree with the use of any substances when it comes to changing your life, especially illegal substances. But what, mm. what ended up happening was I started digging into all these weird things, such as lucid dreaming. Hey, maybe I can figure out my problems while I'm asleep. Or uh, astral projection. Hey, maybe I'm just not connected enough spiritually. Uh, or hallucinogens. Hey, let's reconnect with the earth and everything. Yeah. And ultimately, that was uh, the route that I chose that took me down um, this really crazy rabbit hole of what does it mean to actually fix or heal your brain like what is the outcome that i'm looking for and ultimately mm -hmm. i didn't know but i started reading more about getting into heavier dosages of things um and i started traveling the spirit realms i started to see things that i had uh i never could have imagined were real and once again i don't believe this is ever a right solution i'm very um not I'm not about it anymore, but uh, you're saying more like uh, quote unquote like naturalistic healing, more holistic, and just kind of being a hallucinogens as a solution okay. to trauma. Um, okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, and ultimately, it's because I believe there's better methods to 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 get the outcomes that we're seeking from those yeah. hallucinogens, um, and those and it's widely being tested hey i think that's in you know i say let's go for, let's let's figure out what it's all about um mm. and ultimately that was where i was able to experience something really truly Re repeat that part it, it cut it out was, can you repeat the last repeat the last five seconds it cut yeah, out yeah it, it was it what i began to experience was truly divine it was spiritual. It was powerful. It was a way that I was able to, to, to make that final leap into my new life. Um, and it was where I ended up taking this really huge dosage. And I went over to my bed and I, I thought, hey, oh my goodness, I hope I didn't just take anything that's going to kill me. I started getting super oh my paranoid. God, that's so so I laid down. <laughs> Yeah, and I, oh I said word. to myself, let's just sleep it off. Now, it's funny because I <laughs> maybe wake about up. this the Maybe other we'll day. wake up. Yeah, maybe we'll wake up. Let's yeah. see what happens. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll wake up. But right. this, this dude commented 
and trying to end your life, you know, join the club, bro. And I'm like, no, that's not what I was trying to do. I wanted to live, you know, that's why I was trying to do this. Um, but what ended up happening was I, I started seeing these visuals in my head of, uh, of life going on without me, where all of my friends and my loved ones were just living and I wasn't Ooh. there. And that mm -hmm. was a scary thing to feel like I was there, but I wasn't. And I couldn't yeah. talk to them. I began to fall into my grave over and over hours. Hmm. I was surrounded by my loved ones looking down at me, falling in that grave over and over for hours. I mean, that's... Oh, that's hell. That's hell. <laughs> That literally, <laughs> it really it, is. I, man. Am, I mean, yeah, wow, wow. And that was where I, I, and this was a moment that changed everything in my entire life. It was the moment that I, um, that I sprung out of bed and said, That is not the life that I want. And I went to the bathroom and I threw up everything that I had taken. Um, and I felt this mountain lift off of my shoulders. This weight was gone. This burden of a painful existence suddenly disappeared all in a single moment and when i woke up uh like like i i was awake but i like i woke up a different person when i got up from throwing up everything and i was like oh my goodness what world am i in i literally felt like i had entered a different universe and for yeah. me that was one of the most powerful breakthroughs i'd experienced because that um that I had been living with this lens over my entire life, my entire life. And that's, that's the problem with this, you know, is we think that boom, one bad incident happens and then suddenly life is a train wreck, but it's not true. You know, it's, it's a hundred billion little incidents where we collect these beliefs and we reinforce them over time. And yep. I had been doing that my entire life. Um, and ultimately, you know, I can see now how that was tied back to uh, really just the behaviorisms, the mannerisms that we produce when we're children to experience pain or uh, or pleasure or, I mean, avoid pain and, and you know, chase pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, well, being able to boil it down scientifically, like, it, it makes me feel a lot better about the idea that you know, it's not just a magical experience, you know, I believe in the supernatural, but I also believe that we have a lot of authority as humans. I mean, everything about us, we are, we are incredible. But that's why I also had the choice as an incredible human being to choose if I was going to live a, a life of someone that, am I going to take my authority? Make something of this. I want to make something mm. of that I have where yeah. um, I may not have everything figured out. I may not um, be the best at everything, but, you know, I want it. I want it. I want it. And, you know, if there's enough desire, a desire to change, a desire to grow, a desire to build and create. And um, ultimately, I look at it as living the life of a movie that each person would want to live in. Mm. Um you know, if it was the perfect movie ever, what's the movie of your life? Yeah, man. And some I mean, people have tragedies, you know? Yeah, there They're, are like tragedies. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it is but, true, man. I mean, there's so much stuff you're, you're touching on, but look at how you come close to really the precipice in a way. 
yep. and it's this really middle ground and yeah you're in this moment because i've had something similar and for me that was really tough where you said that you can envision yourself basically gone and then having family members there and you're visualizing it and yep. in a way for, mine was very similar and the one thing that changed was i was able to kind of envision my own obituary obituary in the newspaper or something like that and then one it's like not much was done on paper of course you impact people and if it's on a paper it's fine but so that's a different way it just made me reevaluate and think is this the same path i want to continue on is this really the legacy you want to leave and regardless of if your legacy is remembered for let's say 30 40 50 60 70 years 100 200 300 what impact are you going to do now because even by going down this pattern that you're talking about right where it was the the drinking and these other things and just doing everything in excess that it's of course not only hurting you it's hurting and affecting the people you actually say you care about and that's something that i think we often forget that we're free to make our own decisions 100 percent. we have autonomy relatively that's something i think differently a little bit but what are the consequences of our actions not just on ourselves but the people who didn't even choose what we did but still suffer because of what we did so it's like finding that that sort of not balance i would say but just the awareness that you're responsible for that because if not let's just say hypothetically charles that you continued and you're 26 now right okay i think there's a pause in the video charles can you hear me yep go ahead okay no worries i think it may have lagged. my connection is really bad so Whoever is yep. anyone listening on the podcast, be like, what's this five second pause? No, but I was asking your age right now. You're 26, 24? Uh, about to be 25 soon. Okay. Happy early birthday. So Thank you. let's say then, let's rewind. That night happens, but no change occurs. You didn't reach that threshold. The pain of staying, of changing was greater than, or vice versa. The pain of not addressing your life, right, really took a hold. What would it be like for you now? How would you be celebrating your 20? So um, it, it lagged a little. You said if I were to celebrate my 25th birthday, having not made the change. Yes. Like where would you, how would you be celebrating your birthday? Would you even be around to celebrate it? What would that look like? So um, it's interesting you asked that. Um <laughs> I knew when I was actually um, uh, changed that if I hadn't have made the changes um, that, you know, I, I would not be alive today. I would be dead in a ditch. And ditch. Um, wow. Wow. because what ended up happening was, yeah, I felt a burden lift, but then mm. came the real battle. The, the battle of returning to my destructive habits or destroying them completely forever. Mm. Um, and it, making that choice to come to life, people might think, you know, well, hey, some people just get zapped by God and they're instantly good. And others may think, you know, mm. well, hey, I have to do all of the work on my own. And whatever, you know, people end up deciding life change looks like for them, ultimately for me, I didn't actually reach that moment where I had true freedom until about, I think, a year and a half to two years later. Mm. Um, I made the decision that I wanted to live. That was the most important 
Um, but then when it came to the battle, um, my goal was get set free from my uh, 12 year porn addiction before mm. I'm 23. And, and also, I managed I'm, I'm, to... I'm writing about that in a book I'm yep. working on. Insanely, okay, okay. insanely destructive, horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's like the worst thing that can be done, basically. But continue because like that's yeah. such an important topic. And yeah, I mean, we can we can dabble a little with that. I would actually yep. like to, but continue on here and then we can explore more. Absolutely. So what ended up happening was I, um, I, I had gotten set free from the 12 year porn addiction about a month ish after my 23rd birthday. Mm. Um, along with being set free completely from my substance abuse problems. Um, is first real outlet that I had um, when I had collected all these frustrations in my younger days, but I had no, uh, no way to express them and get rid of them. Um, and so I compartmentalized them and then I discovered porn and decided to stick with that. And ultimately it destroyed a lot of my youth. It destroyed, oh, yeah. um, yeah. everything about who I was, mm -hmm. you know? And then as I got older, that was when the dopamine hit didn't hit the same, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it you start does. looking for more, more violent, yeah. more gruesome things. Uh -huh. You start, um, looking for new ways to achieve that same high and it doesn't happen. So eventually I came across drugs, you know, um, mm. I became a chronic smoker. Um, I was, I was, I didn't, I never liked cigarettes, but I was, um, I was highly addicted to nicotine, uh, highly addicted to smoking weed and people think, oh, well, you know, weed's just weed. You can't be addicted. But see, I've, I've uh, tested this out. I've been the guinea pig for my own life as we all are. Yep. Um, but you know, I've, I've heard people say things like, oh, if I don't get my coffee, um, I get a migraine. Um, wow. And, well, you're saying you know, those are like euphemisms for like, if I don't get my drug, I get like, uh, what's the, how would you say it? Withdrawal basically. Is that it? it exactly. Right? Yeah. It's that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the problem ultimately with, with saying that, you know, if you don't get your fix that you're yes. going through withdrawal is yep. that, it all starts from the internal battle. You can be so incongruent inside. It doesn't matter if you're going to meth or caffeine or nicotine, whatever, whatever the fix is, it is ultimately a bandaid for an internal wound that you need to heal. Because ultimately when one doesn't work, they stack up and that's where either you, you give in to the pain forever. Um, and you know or or it, it comes to this point where for me i had and so like I, I can pick up coffee and put it down whenever i want now it doesn't matter if there's a headache or not because i'm not focused on any present mm. pain from a biological withdrawal i know that i'm not addicted to it so it doesn't matter you know mm. when i when i got set free from nicotine all i did was read a book that was convincing enough for me to put it down which one uh, it was here. Actually, let me look up the title. It was yeah. Look it up because I, I, I mean, this will be this will be a magical cure. That'll be incredible because I got some buddies here who are smoking like a chimney, and oh, you know, some, some of them have stopped. But yeah, it would be great to give a resource like that. Yeah, 
So uh, the book that I read, I read it literally in a day, cover to cover. Oh, it was dang, so powerful. Um, it's, it's called Save Me From Myself, How I Found God, Quit Corn, and Kick Drugs, and Live to Tell My Story. Um, Wait, so that's like, did you, co did you co-author this book? Because I think that's like, sounds like that's what we're doing now. <laughs> like if that. only, man. Uh, this oh, was man. by the guy who, Corn, as in K-O-R-N. Um, okay. Let's see. That's funny. Brian Head Welsh. Um, and he, yeah, as I was reading his story, it was just really convincing because I recognized myself in this story over and over again, having this problem oh. that I kept going back to, even though I didn't want to, watching how having this problem destroyed every friendship and relationship around me. Mm. Um, and I just, I felt so convicted that I literally put nicotine down that day. And wow. um, that was after I had picked it up and put it down and picked it up and put it down multiple times. And so reading this, I was like, I'm called out. Now, it didn't stop me from smoking weed and it didn't stop me from porn. Uh, but it was the first step that I really taken in the right direction. Um, shortly after that, I, um, I had gotten addicted to a lot of fast foods. So I had... Uh, decided to go on a little four-week challenge to free myself from it. And I noticed mm -hmm. the hunger that my stomach had for certain fast food cravings. And I had bear of that kind of attachment to uh, to fast food. So once I got set free from yeah. that, I realized, oh my goodness, I don't want to go back to that. And then I took a 90-day challenge to see if I could stay free from weed for 90 days. Ultimately, I didn't. Um, and that was where I started to really recognize my limits. I started to recognize my mm -hmm. mental toughness um, and mm -hmm. how it really wasn't there. Uh, I had learned about taking personal responsibility, but I yeah. really didn't understand how even in my personal responsibility, I could still make the wrong choices, you know? Oh, you could have um, all the great, the right intentions and still end up doing yeah. the wrong thing. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Plus, it's, it's also the strategy and the method. Right. Like there's a nice expression that I always like to use when something like this comes up. It's like when you have a certain goal in mind or a desire and an object objective, but your strategy is all kind of out of alignment. It goes, it's like you're running east and you're looking for a sunset. Right. Because no matter how <laughs> yeah, far you're going, no, east, that's exactly the it. In the west. Um, <laughs> I love this one. So it's, it's really yeah, similar literally. to this one. It's really similar to this one. So, what ended up happening after I had gone through all these little challenges, these little trial runs and tests of freedom, um, the pain began to stack up because at that point I had said, all right, all right, God, I give up. You can have the wheel to my life. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, by mm. that point, we're in the pandemic. Um, and I had started to large amounts of weed that I thought, hey, I'm running low on money. Let me go and, um, you know, try and make a couple bucks. But what ended up happening was I was still so addicted and and broken and full of trauma that I would smoke all of it. And we're talking mm -hmm. amounts that 10 people should be able to split up. I would I would take it all down on my own within a day or two. Well, um, for 10 people, for yourself, you could do that. Yeah. And, you know, some folks might, might say like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's nothing or, you know, whatever. Well, I, I guess there, it but... is relative though, right? It, it is not like relative, yeah. but yeah, some people can just blow like a chimney and then others 
you take one and then you're, <laughs> you're out for the count. I mean, yeah, you know, the beginner days, it's kind of like that. <laughs> exactly. And so for me, I, I had gone from this place where I remember the very first time I had gotten drunk and high at the same time. And I was, Trust. I was literally throwing up for hours. The room oh, was the spinning feeling, all around man. me. From what I hear, it, from what I is. hear, it's the worst feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, it was just that, that moment where suddenly I'm sitting here high off my rocker and I realize, wow, I'm able to get a billion times higher than I ever used to be when I didn't do this stuff. How, mm. how far have I fallen? Um, Oof. And even though I had told God I was going to give him the wheel back, I didn't make any changes because I knew I couldn't change. So he literally, mm. um, my perspective, he started telling people, my uh, regardless of what people believe about faith, this sure. these divine supernatural encounters started happening where random people would show up to my into my house, such as uh, this time my computer broke and a computer repairman came over. He happened to be a believer, and uh, he he asked if he could pray for me, and I was like, "Okay, if you want to, that's cool, man." Um, and weird, random encounters started happening that all over the place, and then I met my wife about. Um, I actually, sorry, I met my wife three days after. Reconnected with her because we had been friends for a few years, but I had really um, um, put that on hold i had really disconnected from her because i just i was so full of shame and guilt over all the 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 dirt in my life um and so throughout these little encounters with people and reconnecting with my now wife um i ultimately reached this breaking point where Mm -hmm. man i didn't make this mark i i thought i was going to be 23 and free but i wasn't and so it sounds nice um, but it's very it's very uh like uncommon yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of what I had craved at the time was connection. It mm. wasn't that I uh, was traumatized, even though I was. It wasn't that I was addicted to things, even though I was. It was It was ultimately that I, I needed to feel connected to the life around me, and I didn't because I was suppressing the emotions that would have allowed me to express my authentic self my vulnerable self in a way that um that opens doors for healthy relationships mm. started surrounding myself with the started part often uh had a couple of mental breakdowns and um and then i you know turned 23 and i um i wanted to throw a throw a party at my house and um ultimately all those friends that said that they were going to be there for me um, none, none of them showed. They wanted me none to go out showed. and hang out with them. Uh, after I had just spent the entire uh, day preparing for us to have a party at my place, and suddenly oh, sorry, I recognized yeah. that. Oh no! I now I, I look at it and like I'm completely fine with it. I realized that like that was ultimately the result of my actions. I had chosen to That's hang out enough. with people That's that true. didn't align with my That's values. True. You know, yeah. I, I, I had I, chosen I love one part that you said just to really chime yeah. in real fast. Uh, just like the responsibility part, because so often, of course, it's an easy thing to do to blame others and all that. But then, yeah, this is one big reason why I really try to share this perspective where it's being very cautious as to who you ask for advice or anything like this. Because if you like, let's say someone gives you a piece of advice and then you end up taking their advice, it works out well. 
then the credit is ultimately going to go to them. Like you pulled the trigger, but for them, they were the one that guided you. Now, if it goes the other way, you ask them for advice and it goes horribly wrong, you're also going to blame them, right? First yeah. thing happened. So in both instances, you're lacking accountability. And regardless, you're not the one who's influencing your fate. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty disempowering. So just in this case, like I love how you said that with your friends that were there. And it's like, oh, that's a shame because it never feels great to have a party and then have no one, no one show up. That's really tough. But then to recognize yeah. saying, okay, what actions did I take that influenced others? Because if I behaved in a way that was more in alignment, they may be more inclined to, right? It's not changing who you are to match them. It's just, are you really putting your best foot forward? Are you being the Charles you can be or the Charles you talk about who just pushes people away? And yeah, the one pushed people away who your wife probably wouldn't have been attracted to, but because of this growth, you experienced two, three years, that's someone she's like, wow, this is, he's not a little boy, he's a man, right? It's, it's like that expression, yep. you heal the boy and the man will appear. Right. Yes. Oh, good. That's, and that's, that's I love so good. that. One, man. I love that. But yes. Yeah. Cool. That just resonates. <laughs> well, so it's so funny you mention um, how my wife ties in with that because ultimately yeah. she had a list. She had a checkbox list of who she, she wanted to list. see in her husband. She didn't tell Ooh. me about this though. <laughs> so we had a ton of disagreements on things such as modesty, um, um, the. Uh, language, friend groups, the the ways that we uh, lived our lives were completely different. I, I was a rule breaker. She's a rule follower. Um, mm. And so we've definitely come to really balance each other out as we've taught each other the right way to have a healthy balance of, mm. Um, mm. of what structure with fluidity. Structure with fluidity. Uh, yes. Without entering. Yes. Oh, Charles, I lost you again. I lost you um, again. If you can say, if you, I lost you again. If you can say the last five seconds, that would be great. Said, um, the last thing I heard was structure with fluidity. Was that what you got? Yeah, that was the last thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, structure with fluidity without codependence, um, hmm. as a way to address um, a healthy expression of our full selves, each being at a hundred percent ready to enter into interdependence. Um, I was in a place where I had spent my entire life chasing codependent relationships and I only ever attracted oh. people that were doing the same. You know, I was willing to give them attention because they kept me on the hook. Yep. Uh, they, you know, they made me feel good as long as I made them feel good. Um, and yeah, and you see how this is like kind of like a tit-for-tat relationship, right? It's like yeah. kind of the horse trading. And I mean, it's, it's like, look at this though. You didn't go into these, my assumption with bad intent. And really, I don't believe yep. most people get into any relationship with bad intent. It's just, again, you're running east looking for a sunset. And then we punish people for not having the tools at their disposal, which some things you just are never expecting, right? So it's like it's like that expression. Um, I'm watching a show now called Smallville, and there's one scene where someone is being thrown into a prison or something like that. I mean, it's an amazing show. Like I take notes on what they do because it's yeah. deep. But then one thing it says, not verbatim, is basically like, you know, it's really easy to like punish someone by throwing them to into a cell or something like that. But if you really want to repair someone, like putting in the effort, giving them the tools and the knowledge, like that's really an indicator of you caring, right? Because it's so easy yeah. to punish saying, oh, like, look at Charles, these codependent relationships. You know, he was just reckless. Like, you know, he just doesn't care about people. That's so easy. 
That's the easiest cop-out. The easiest cop-out to say is, oh, this person's just bad. Oh, this person's just that. It's much harder to come to terms with the idea that circumstances do influence us a lot. Of course, decisions mostly, but that we could be subject to the same kind of behavior if we had similar information and influence in our life. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big thing, man. I mean, that hits me hard. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's the the interesting thing is about when it comes to nature and nurture, how yeah. we choose to take information presented to us, and each person, though nature and nurture are, are about ninety nine percent influence, I would say there's the one percent which would be us that makes us different in how we take that information, process it, um, associate a meaning and a feeling to it, and then make right. decisions in the future either towards it or away from it. Um, and said, people I will, that. That. yeah, you know, they, they'll, people <laughs> will have this thing because I had this, you know, I would say, um, you know, that, that it's the wind's fault. I would say that it's my parents' fault. I would oh, say yeah. that it's, uh, this and that person's fault, but ultimately that was just how I, how I grew up avoiding pain because that was the mm. pattern that I chose was, um, it was from the youngest memory that I have, it was literally, okay. Hey, um, son, stop biting your fingernails or I'm going to go get the fingernail monster. And so I, in my little like two or three year old brain, I watched my father go out to the backyard and he called fingernail monster to the sky. And as he does that, I watched this gigantic dinosaur cloud roll up through the sky. And in my, you know, two or three year old little brain, I'm like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. Well, you have no I, reference. Yeah. Exactly. And so it, it was so real to me. But in that yeah. single moment, I disconnected from my true identity because what I learned was that if I am my truest, most, most authentic self, that equals pain. So I'm going to be someone that I'm not in order to avoid wow. pain. And that was how I spent yep. my life mm -hmm. until the exact um, a church opened up. Um, uh, the Belonging Co. And what happened was I went there on a Sunday morning after the pandemic and full of all this, all these traumas, all this damage, this brutalization that I had done to myself and everyone around me. And I just cried my eyes out for two hours straight. And then that later that, that same day, I put down my 12-year porn addiction. I put down the, the substance abuse and I never looked back. Never looked back. Um, and, and that was oh, nearly man. three years ago now. Uh, and people yeah, say, you know, oh, shoot, you know, yeah. yeah, but you know, people people will say, "Oh shoot, I've been struggling with that for a long time, man. Fight the good fight. You're doing good. Keep it going." Mm. No, there is no struggle to stay away from it. I don't want it anymore. Literally, it's like it, it would be like if I let's see, let's use a very crass example. Sure. Um, it would be like I had spent my entire life staring at dog poop, and then I start to look away, and I say, "Oh, I really want to look at it again." You know, like you just don't do that when you suddenly realize that it's not poop. Mm, you had yeah. it. You said you go and you live your life. And um, it, it's such a crass example. But for me, it paints this picture of if you know what you're doing, rolling around in the mud, stop rolling around in the mud. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I decided I didn't want to live like that anymore. It was time to level up. And I did. Yeah. Uh, life has never been the same. I, I got my house. Um, I'm now married to the most amazing woman in the world. And I've got a career that I'm absolutely in love with. Wow, man. Look at this. I mean, all of that career is really in 
you know, there's a time frame, there's a process, but it really comes down to a certain decision and reaching that threshold of saying, you know what, like the path that's continuing and happening, it's there's too much pain here that if I continue, it's going to bring me more pain that the change needs to occur. But then you also had some kind of strategy. For me, that's what I'm sensing. Like you had one, you have the reference, which I think is really important. You attach a certain meaning to those events that occurred in the past and what you want in the present, what's going to look like in the future. And then you have a decision they decide to ultimately make. You have those two hours at the church where it's really a cleanse and an outpouring of bottled up emotions. And like yep. you said, like a, a pressure cooker. Is that what you said? I, pretty much, you know, I, yeah. it was a canister of gas. Oh, can, okay. Canister of gas. Like basically a, a strong buildup that at yep. some point or another going to burst. Yeah. And yeah. fortunately, though, you were able to be in an environment where that sort of outburst can be kind of nurtured in a way that's yes. like healthy. As opposed yeah, to somewhere absolutely. else where you could be punished. And then one mm -hmm. of your buddies could say, you know what? I'm going to go in the backyard and I'm going to call the nail biting monster to come over and, and spank <laughs> you. I don't know. Something weird. Yeah. But yeah. That could have happened. And then you're going to associate, oh my gosh, showing emotion, demonstrating pain, trying to have a cleanse with this potentially tr uh, triggering in a way incident. Cause like when you were younger, I mean, I don't know if it was traumatic, but it really left an imprint on you. And yeah. even 20 years later, two decades, you can still reference a memory from before the time that most uh, young children actually gained consciousness. That's yeah, how absolutely. ingrained it was for yourself. And you know, it's, it's so funny because the, the story continued on from there. Um, but ultimately, I, I realized, you know, I solved an immediate pain, but there was still baggage attached to it. And that oh. baggage was continued destructive habits that even though they weren't, uh, you know, even though they weren't substances, even though they weren't, uh, even though it wasn't porn, even though it wasn't food, it, they were still all over me, you know, it, it was scene because my entire life was spent i hated everything about my life and so i had to make a ton of changes um but i didn't really come to that realization um until i started to notice this larger pattern of the fact that i had quit college i had quit working at subway uh when i was 17 i started my company for music film photography live events i ran that for three years um and in that process, that was where I discovered drugs. You know, that was where I discovered um, um, true heartbreak and, and then continued to just repeat it. Because I, I do want to explore that just uh, yeah. as, like, as a footnote, but heartbreak like from uh, an event with like people you were really close with, was it like a girlfriend, something like that? Because those are so, like the lessons that you can really extrapolate from a... Absolutely, from a yeah. So... so there, there, there's a couple of different kinds of heartbreak, you know, because we all search for emotional outcomes in a ton of different ways. One would be through mm -hmm. relational love, um, uh, uh, other sorts, um, acceptance. Uh, and, and so for me, a lot, a lot of it did have to circle, a lot of it circled around relational love, um, where I had, as part of the codependent pattern that I had followed out 
um, in my entire life. It was, it was directly related to this beginning incident when I was maybe four or five, where um, I was, my mom dropped me off at a Sunday school uh, daycare while she went to the choir. And I, I didn't know that she left me. And I proceeded to cry my eyes out. <laughs> Apparently it's my thing. Um, but I, I did that for about an hour and I wouldn't let anybody comfort me. I wouldn't play with any of the other kids. Um, and so from there, I was maybe seven or eight by the time I had my first girlfriend. And I continued to ask girls out and uh, get rejected or just being codependent or less. Literally for the entire course of my life up until I discovered porn. Um, when I was maybe 12 or 13, um, cheated on my girlfriend because it just... And literally, like, who does that when you're 12 or 13? You know, you're supposed to yeah, be so that's kind of a you know, having fun. Even at that age. Yeah, right. It, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it, it was just one of those things where for me, I was like, you know, I'm going to do what I want. Uh, nobody loves me. I'm a little 12, 13 year old. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to go find these emotional fulfillments in the only place that I know where to seek them. And that is in a uh, relationship, because that was what was portrayed to me at a young age, you know, was that. Um, um, mom and dad are great. We model our lives from until we find different models, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I learned to yeah. find a woman. Um, and so I fire life, then discovered porn, and that's making getting in relationships a lot more difficult. Um, so by then I had uh, been kicked out of a ton of places. I had uh, just social groups. I didn't fit in with anyone. Um, mm -hmm. I had gotten rejected a hundred thousand times by women. Um, and so I start my company and then the patterns start to pop up again in business. Who would have, who would have known? Because yeah, man, it permeates people... in all the areas of your life, right? I mean, as much as you exactly. make sense, it'll permeate. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I would run into situations where some of my clients would give me feedback and I wouldn't like the feedback and I would start to, to just let them have it. like, Hey, you know, I'm working my butt off for you. Who are you to tell me like, you know, the quality of my work. Um, and ultimately that was a big downfall because I wasn't able to see past my own pride. Um, mm. and so I, you know, I, I moved to Nashville and then it happens again and I start getting feedback on my sales gig. Um, where I, I think my boss said, no, I don't think I know my boss said this one thing that hurt more than anything. Oh, it was, man. we usually don't hire people from off the street. <sighs> and, and I mean, I had, yeah. And I had sold for, sold them over $10 million in revenue by that point. Um, yeah. and so that was a really difficult thing to hear because I had, I had fought and clawed and been told that I'm going to be the next young, successful CEO multiple times. So for him to say that to me was really humbling. And I hated him for a long time. And I realized actually he was probably the best boss I ever had because he was the- Wow, we know, now, now why is that though, right? All, now, you know, every, because like everyone else to a certain extent, yeah. not that they're propping you up, but because there's really, they're helping to support this identity that you have around yourself, right? And then someone yep. like that, like, do we ever really hate the messenger or is it more so the message that we just don't align with? And then to have an easy scapegoat because the message usually ties deeper with who we are, and what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Now, why not with the person who brought it? Because it seems like more of uh, an intentional weapon from someone being used on us as opposed yeah. to this really 
universal kind of truth, this objective real truth that's like Charles, boom. And then you don't want to hear it. But to that point, man, I mean, who do, who do we blame in that moment? And how much of your identity is layered into that? You, you know, that's in that that is what was so powerful about it was I felt like my identity was being attacked. Yeah, it was man. everything that yeah, I had, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so when, when I moved to Nashville, I had nothing. I had no body. Um, I had no money even. Um, I had um, I had my first couple of months of rent paid for. Um, really thankful to my dad for that. He really helped me get started. But then I started living paycheck to paycheck as I started working my way up the ladder. Um, and so work was all I knew. I literally, I got there early. I stayed late. I went home and studied. I would spend night after night after night downloading more information, just learning and learning all I could. I wanted to be the best. And I, I knew that it was either sink or swim. So we're going to swim. And that was, that was for me, that was a way that I coped with my loneliness was just pouring myself into the, the one area where I could experience the most possible success ever. Now, I still dealt with all these uh, uh, problems in the background, um, but when it came to my work, I was I was literally there. I was there more than anyone else. Um, and so hearing that made me think, does he not see the hard work that I'm putting in? Does he not see um, how much effort I'm putting in? Does he not see the results that I'm struggling to put out right now because I'm giving it my all, but I was blaming my account set. I was blaming the the state that they gave me. I was blaming my customers for not buying mm-hmm. enough. You know, I, I wasn't um, uh, at me. I was blaming my teammates for, for not doing their jobs well enough, which they weren't. But ultimately, I was allowing my failures to be pinned on them as a way to avoid receiving any pain for ultimately the decisions that I made that put me in that terrible situation to begin with, um, which was my inability to take feedback and really learn from it and grow from it. Um, And I actually read a book. um, We might have talked about this in India. It was uh, Extreme Ownership. Um, And that Uh, that was like a a yellow and red cover at all. I think so. Or maybe um, it's like a Navy SEAL book, but something like this. It's like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to check so, it fast. Yes, keep going. So extreme ownership taught me about personal responsibility. It taught me how everything in my life is my fault, and that's a good thing because then I can change it. Because if I blame it's the like way, we I can't change about. it. Yeah, yeah. It's like we were talking about the point, and yeah, like you're not becoming dependent. Uh, yeah, the, it's, I was wrong about the color of the book, but it's with How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win by Jocko yep. Willink and Leif Bevan. So yeah, yep. it's, it's, a, it's a good one from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and that really, uh, that really showed me ultimately that it doesn't matter what happens in your life. It's about how you're going to choose to respond to whatever it is that is thrown at you. And mm. thus began my journey towards personal, uh, personal development. After that, I discovered High Performance Habits by Brennan Burchard. Yeah. Um, that book was incredible, taught me how to visualize my end results, uh, taught me really how to conjure up the energy that I needed, um, uh, to, to reach the outcomes of life that I wanted. And ultimately it unlocked this entire new realm of possibility for me because I was still going through all my problems. Um, 
But now I had some new tools in my tool belt that I didn't know existed before. And so that mm. became a real game changer. So basically how this ends is I get, I get, you know, set free from all these problems. Um, and from there, I, I just, I excel. I excel at work. So mm. training people um, by, oh, by wow. at my, my career there had ended. I had trained yeah. over 2000 people. Um, and wow. these are people, which by the way, I have 18 credit hours to my name. I was training people with full on business degrees. I was training people two or three times my age, how to do what I did. I was teaching people sales. I was teaching people technology. I was teaching them how to, uh, how to really close their business and win at the highest levels, um, with, with speed, with productivity, because, uh, we spent so much of our time doing tasks that don't produce the results that we desire. Mm. And it, it was, it was this way that I was able to build connectivity with others because I didn't have anything else at that point. Um, the people that I had surrounded myself, you know, I started looking for more high performers. I started looking for more people that wanted to better their lives and were, were buying books on investing and buying books on personal growth rather than people that are spending their paychecks buying beer on the weekends. You oh, know? dude, that one I resonate with because if you think about it, I just saw something about this on an account where it's like, let's say you spend $15 on a book and that's like a pretty expensive development book, but let's just say 12 books or something like that. That gives you the ability to have a conversation in a way or have like a mentor with someone who's basically condensed decades worth of experience, pain, pleasure into this little or large book. Even. Let's say if it's 400 pages, you can do it in 10 hours, something like that. And you're getting all of that for the price of $12. And people will decide instead of making that really investment, that's probably the best ROI in history, really, that it's that cheap, but instead, yeah, go $12 or go buy something that's just so ephemeral and it loses its value and, you know, nothing wrong with dabbling with these areas. Just if you always say, Hey, I'm not growing, I'm not developing, but you're constantly investing or wasting your money and really your time and your energy on stuff like that, then how can you complain about the results you're not getting? And if you're hey, look, you go from younger Charles and all these troubles to influencing over 2,000 people that you can train. I think that's what you said, 2,000 people. Yep. And working with these business magnets and I'm into to the madness, but also there's, there's a trail that you're leaving. So I think this is really important for people who are listening to understand that there's a process and it's, it is methodical. It doesn't have to be super complicated. And maybe you can speak to that because I think that's a big barrier to entry for people who maybe have the know-how. They understand it in theory, but the practice and the action of doing it is where they get stuck. So how would you maybe look at it from your experience to kind of help them make that little two millimeter shift that can be an accelerant for them? So let's look at it like this. Um, I did not start out training 2000 people. I started out training one in my off time. I, I started using my lunch break to train one person and uh, he's still a good friend to this day. He's incredible. Um, and he, uh, he really loved it. So he kept coming back. He kept asking for more. He said, you know what? You're about 10, 12 years younger than me, but you have, I would like to learn. So I'll teach you what I know. You teach me what I know. And we just continue this yeah. process over time. 
And then I started inviting more people to the class and more people to the class. And then the pandemic hits and then um, up to like 50 or 60 people on my call weeks wow after i had been training them for a little bit i get a call saying hey that's not what i aired for please stop um oh, so what okay <laughs> i yeah you know oh and i had two options there old wow. me would have said you know what the world is against me. Everyone hates me. Uh, they don't yep. see me succeed. They want to keep me down. They're not trying to lift me up and empower me. But what knew me at that point said was, you know what? You're right. And I went on my way. Mm. And I continued to just help people and do my best every single day. And that opened up more doors for opportunity to, um, to do this at a higher level because I started networking with more people. And those people were more high performers such as myself i started becoming the person that i wanted to find in others um and you know it was that natural magnetic attraction to others where um they started asking me hey can you teach my class of 200 uh, new hires hey can you teach my class of 50 new hires um and so these consistent were popping up um and then i started getting promoted and then i started handling uh, uh, $20 million quotas. And then I started handling 30 million and, and then 37 and it just kept going. Um, and by the time I had, um, excelled to this point, it was really just that I decided, you know what, the only way that I'm going to be able to get what I really want is not by, um, not by brute forcing and being a lone wolf. It's by really having a deep connection to everyone around me. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have, they have the, more have continue, the more I got. Hmm. No, yeah, sorry. I, I interrupted because there was a lag. But finish that point. So what happened ultimately was that I was playing this game as a lone wolf. But when hmm. I started playing it as a team sport, even if I wasn't money off of helping other people with their problems, um. I learned the true value of having a community around me to support me, lift me up, build me, give me opportunities. And the more that I gave to them, the more they gave to me. Mm. Um, and that was where opportunities started opening up to work with the coaches, to work with these, uh, these other uh, leaders and directors. Uh, working with people in Canada that needed to ask me how I was running my business um, in a very strategic way. Um, and all these opportunities popped up because I went from saying the world is against me to what can I do to give back to those who have given so much to me. Mm. And that was how it all started, you know, with one person. Um, and how much am I willing to give, you know, um, because okay, so he didn't need to go there. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, so you're saying that it's going from, yeah, not going to I mean, really any kind of a relationship thinking what can you get versus what can you give? And it doesn't necessarily matter scale, it matters more impact, but also it, it could be a million people, it could be one person. I mean, you're making that marginal progress, but that one person, how many years has it been? How's your relationship? Improve the quality of their life and vice versa. They also show you what worked, what didn't work and gave you either that confidence or humbled you to understand what needs to be done in order to continue with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really it. Um, that's beautiful, man. So, 
one of the most interesting things that um, that happened over the course of this change was I started to recognize a couple of things that uh, that really stood out to me. Some of these larger patterns. One was that I had was going to be, um, you know, um, an inventor, uh, mm. and then I thought going to be a model, and then an actor, and then With that hair man, you I can do it. Think, With that hair, yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. Um, I I managed to book a couple of things, but not nothing major. You yeah, know, I mean, it's like, dude, um, like that's a, that's a career you can have until you're like chilling forever you know like yeah it's never too late just don't cut the hair don't cut the hair yeah exactly don't do it don't do it, um, don't do it. <laughs> so i i you know i, I thought hey I, maybe i'll be a rock star you know maybe yeah. i'll be a ceo of the universe or um maybe i'll be the next bill gates or elon musk and i kept mm. on chasing after these things that i wanted to define me rather than um, me build this life of authenticity so that I could truly accept myself for who I am and where I'm at. And even though I learned a lot of rules for um, internal and external strategies for success, I still wasn't happy with my life. Um, yeah. And nothing really changed until um, until I was married. In fact, it was after I was married that I started to really dive in and ask the question of like, why do I live in the past still why do i why do i always look to the future but why am i never present oh um, that's, a, that's you know? nice right there i like that that well, that was well, the well, big well, question yeah were you able to navigate and find a resolution to this because it's also yeah i mean the past like could be painful but i mean past yeah we fixate it yeah, it could be painful but we know what's kind of in the past right we're aware it's like an anchor for our experience and it it really supports and explains our identity, our behaviors, all these things. Similar yeah. with the future, like the future can be very promising, but it's also not like none of them are tangible, but it's not a current present thing. But then these are a little more comfortable than the present because you have to come to terms with reality. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's a it's more challenging now, I think, because of, of course, all the distractions and even to go way back in the conversation with when you were talking about like porn and stuff like that. Is that it literally creates kind of this alternate universe of course it distorts reality but it takes you away from all the pain in your past it takes away all of the the pain you may experience in the future or it can even enhance the pleasure you think you'll have in the future by bringing it to the immediate right yeah so it, it's it distorts all of it but yeah so how, how do you like how do you manage to kind of find like the middle between that to be present and avoid the the other two so a lot of it, um, in fact, I think we could, we could probably agree on all of our external reality is merely a reflection of our internal processes. Mm -hmm. All of those internal beliefs that drive our actions to further refine and condition our internal beliefs. Once again, the vicious cycle. Um, but those internal beliefs can either create a beautiful future or lead you to a future of destruction um, creation or destruction like you were mentioning earlier there yeah. you go and yeah. that was that was really where i started to look at these areas where i was sitting on the fence and i started there and i asked you know what am i not taking action on and why mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so some folks might be asking right now, well, what does this have to do with being present? And it was, it was that I was so afraid to be present. I was afraid to acknowledge perceived pain because my patterns that I had built taught me to avoid pain. Um, and so you don't really want to be where pain is, you know, even, even if you're the strongest person in the world, you don't want to be where pain is all the time, you know, now provided there's, there's ways to, to see how pain can help in some cases. Um, but when, but uh, until you've got to a, um, a place where you're mentally and emotionally refined in that kind of way to understand the difference between real pain and perceived pain, they look the exact same. And so I had to be able to recognize that I had some healing that really needed to be done. Um, so that I could really learn to love myself where I'm at because, um, I, 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 I predominantly, I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, I believe Mm -hmm. Jesus is is the only way to eternal life. Um, and so I, um, I follow everything that the Bible teaches. And though I'm not a perfect practicing Christian, um, I, I believe that it comes down to a lot of basic principles. One of them would be the greatest commandment above all else, which is love God and love others as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that ties into being present for me in a way that it, it, it's really simple. You cannot love someone more than you love yourself so if you love yourself oh, wait, little you gotta say that again you gotta say that again that's that's really deep say that again yeah you you cannot you you literally do not have the ability to love someone more than you love yourself if you do it's a lie you know it, mm-hmm. that's compromise because then you may you know you, you may be dying inside you know you may be dying outside and sure sacrifice is good because sacrifice is giving something up of a lesser value for that of a greater value but compromise is where you're giving up something of a greater value for that of a lesser value so when you allow yourself to conform to the patterns of those around you you then become influenced you become you become you have no responsibility for your actions so by loving yourself first and having this level of self-worth that um that permeates the energy in the room around you you have the ability to influence and lead and direct and guide and orchestrate people to uh to the best outcomes to loving each other um and really it's just about taking our personal responsibility and saying i'm gonna choose to carve my path and if others follow that's awesome but i'm not gonna let them shake shake me from my mission it's about it's about i needed my mission um, and so all mm. that ties in because I didn't love myself enough to acknowledge that I had a mission for my one life on earth. And until you have your mission in place, it becomes really difficult to be present because you don't really know where to start. You keep your Ooh. head down and you start, mm. pu- you know, trudging along, hoping that you're going to reach this destination in the end. But ultimately, that destination is one that you're you're holding on to a string of hope that um, that you're going to end up there. And you have no idea, you have no strategy in place. You may have some form of tool in your tool belt that you can maybe get an edge over everyone else trying to get the same things. But ultimately, if you're not being who you need to be, you will not be the person that, that you're called to be uh, to, 
um, to be ready for the opportunities that present themselves mm. for you to, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not being you when you need to be you, when the opportunity presents itself for growth, oh, yeah. yep. you won't be ready because you haven't been practicing for that person yeah. that you're supposed to become. So I had to ask myself on my last day on earth, will I have done everything that I needed to do to become who I needed to be, to serve the world in a greater way, to love those around me and love them well. And it now, was in that moment that everything clicked. Now, why the urgency though, right? Why not wait another 10, 15, 20 years? Because of course there's been pain, but if life yeah. is going for long enough, why the urgency or the desire to really have a thought process now and act on it? So this is where um, I believe I'm super blessed. Um, because by this point, we, you and I have talked about it. Um, we use accelerated strategies. That's one of my X factors um, is that I don't, I don't preach theory, preach practice. I preach strategy. Um, um, and a lot of it comes from condensing decades down into days, you know? I love that. Um, yeah. um, and one, one of the areas where I believe that I'm most blessed is when people ask, how old are you? I'll say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm this old, I'm that old. You know, they'll be like, oh, you're a baby. You have so much time. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Just because you spent the last 20 years partying does not mean that I have time. It means mm. that you're trying to validate that you still have time. I never looked at it like that. Huh. Because it's all about the association. He puts out what associates to their internal identity. Oh, so if yeah, they tell me I still have yeah. time. You know, they're they're that they're not they're not telling me that I have time. They're trying to reaffirm that they didn't make the wrong decision. Right, right. Oof, oof. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it sounds a little like cognitive dissonance in a way, but it's also yep. trying to yeah, like they're exerting something to help remain consistent with the identity they have within themselves. Right. I mean, a couple of things though. I love the the point with the age, because I mean, one, yeah, like, gosh, people say. This is actually a little segue, but you've oh, like, oh, how long have you been uh, dating? Like, how long have you been together? For me, like, I, I never really asked that question because, I mean, I will, but I'll never ask that question without asking after saying, okay, how long does it feel like you've been together? Because you can be with someone for 10 years and not even really know who their family is or anything yeah. really like authentic about them because she has that show. And then vice versa, you can know someone for two, three months, you know, like you and your wife, right? You said you moved in mm -hmm. like that and you got engaged and married. Things like this. But the, uh, the joke I want to put in there is when people ask about the age and a little different, you know, if you meet someone who's older or something, they go like, oh, you know, I'm 70 or something. And people go, oh, wow, you look really great for your age. And you know, there's a comedian that jokes about it because he goes, you know, I never like when people say that, because if I was 25 years old and I walked in here and looking like this, you would be like, oh, my gosh, were you in a fire? You know? So it's just sort of like a whole like interpretive approach to someone's age and stuff like that and seeing how it varies. Like the people you're working with 20 years ahead, look at how they're projecting. Look at how they're seeing it so differently. And, you know, it is, I do like to emphasize a lot of the times that, you know, the, the outcomes of not just our lives, but even any interaction we have, any occurrence, right? At times it may not really yeah. be your fault, but it does come down to it being your responsibility to change it or to find a way to make it better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I've run into this so many times now, 
um, because practically everything that we all live day to day, but it's about the way that we choose our actions. Um, and I say I run into this all the time because it's, I mean, it's every, it's everything. It's everywhere. It's everything that we do. It's about actions that further define our beliefs, but people will say, well, Hey, I can make an action that doesn't define my belief. Um, but that's really not true because everything we oh, do. Yeah, how, that doesn't make any sense um, right? because every action you take, it, it's an alignment or it's like with your true desire, like the act you're going to yeah. make, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and so it's, it's this simple idea that um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a good example that's happened recently. Um let's let's you let's use an example of this friend i have he's going through a really really rough time right now um and when uh when he reaches out for help uh to one of these group chats that we've got and um you know he gets a response that says hey um that's really not the purpose of the group chat we do love you we care about you dearly um we do want you to you know get your healing man you know, go live your best life. But that, but the internal uh, representation of what was said is that he's unloved. He's not enough. He's not That's welcome. That's how I interpreted that. Yeah. That's exactly how yeah. I, I mean, wow. Wow. Like someone's pouring out their heart. And what if that's the only outlet that they have? Would they feel comfortable? Exactly. And it's not like necessarily the burden isn't on you guys to have the answers. But I do think the opportunity is there for you, for anyone, anyone in that situation. Because a buddy of mine had friends with, it was the same thing, to pick up the mantle of responsibility and just be present. Because, yeah. dude, I mean, you could be that one outlet that someone is looking for, right? That last opportunity before they say, you know what, the group chat doesn't vibe with me. You know, let me just drive to the middle of nowhere off a bridge and see what happens. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's absolutely it, you know? Um, I mean, I believe that every single one of us, we're called to be there for each other. We're called to love each other. We're called to, um, to, to, to live lives of service. And for everyone that looks different, you know, you can be a servant leader. You know, you don't have to just be a servant in the middle of Africa. Um, well, I but, wish I knew that before I moved to Africa and did that. <laughs> I'm very happy I went. Just, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the whole expression, like even travel, right? Any of these mm -hmm. other areas that you need to go so far and wide to find these things. And yeah, I mean, there are different variables that you'll get, let's say, in Paris or let's say in, I don't want to, that's such a simple example, like Zagreb in Croatia or you yeah. know, somewhere in like Ghana or any other country really, in Asia, anything like this, that you don't always need to travel so far from where you're currently at to have that adventure, to find that love, to find beauty, right? I, I have a my two podcast episodes before this, actually, it's called Missing Beauty. And just a quick little plug for it is that they had a world-class violinist who was the day before playing at like this big theater in front of thousands of people. And he's like one of the best in the world playing this violin. The next day he goes into a subway station here in DC. I mean, maybe like a mile from where I live over here. And he's there playing. No one recognized him on the subway. And they're so in a rush to get to what they want to go to that they're missing what's going on. And of course there's responsibility that the adults have to be places on time. I understand that. But what was really striking was it was the younger children that were the ones who were able to stop. Because at that point, like I, for me, it's you're able to recognize beauty 
in a much simpler way. But look at where their focus was that some people go so far away to find something that is really just present in front of them if they're open enough and willing enough to connect with something like that, something yeah. sublime in a way. And like the buddy and your friend and all the beauty that they miss, it's it's unfortunate. And, you know, that's you, you really hit it on the head. You know, it starts with who's in your backyard. I hopefully oh. not literally, you know. Um, Hold on. I, I think there's someone I, in my backyard it, now. Hold on. What? No, just kidding. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where it just comes to, um, you know, what are you doing to show love to your neighbor? Oh. Um, I mean, even right now I have a neighbor that um, she's screaming on the phone at 3 a.m. every single night out in the front yard. Oh. Um, and so like, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where like, sure, I don't have to tolerate that. But how often would someone in my position look and say, my goodness, she sounds like she's going through a really tough time right now. Oh, um, man. You yeah, know, wow. let's wow. give her some grace, you yeah. know. Um, and it's it's just the, this whole thing of like people have shown me a lot of grace. There were a lot of times where I got kicked out of um, when I was younger and I would have looked you know, and said that, you know, they hate me. You know, nobody likes me. But if I then go and repeat those cycles to other people and, you know, give them the same result, what kind of good am I putting out into the world? What kind of love am I putting out there? What kind of what kind of example am I setting for those that and that are around me? Um, and, you and know, local, I'm called. Yeah, and, well, and just look at what you're, you're doing in that moment. You choose you chose to get better, not yeah. bitter. Yeah. Right. How often does wow. something like that happen and you decide to get really bitter? Versus getting better because I mean honestly, if you really want to look at a point of, you know, I'm not encouraging revenge by any means, but isn't really the best revenge if you're going to go down this route to treat someone better than they treated you, especially yeah. if they treated you poorly. So for all like maybe the sadists out there, people who are going to go down that route, <laughs> you know, like it, that kind of doesn't hurt. But then again, like how much more, like just think about it like this: How did it feel for you to be in that position? when they were not showing you grace or something like that. And if it really hurt bad enough, that's when you have a decision, right? It's like the classic story of like the wolf you feed or there's the two children with the, the drunk father. One of them becomes an alcoholic, the other one doesn't. What are you like, what path are you going to follow in that instance? And why would you want to hurt someone or even someone who's innocent, right? Cause just look, that was you. That's who you were previously. Yeah. The person who yeah. wasn't shown grace, the person who, didn't have the tools at the time and then maybe had to manage, maybe had to use uh, drugs or alcohol or porn or just destructive mm -hmm. behaviors and patterns that affected the ones they care about. Like, do you really want that for a stranger who doesn't even know better? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, so that, that's, that really comes down to the root of what I believe my mission is now. You know, my life oh, consists yeah. of, uh, living this transformed life where I have new freedom and a second chance. You know, my life is about having a second chance. It's about having a real uh, spiritual connection to God. It's about having a um, uh, a heightened emotional awareness about myself and the world around me. Um, it's about having unlimited energy, you know, um, and about living passionately. Um, 
I'm throwing out a couple of big words there because that's really how that, that's like the only words. way to like find it. Words. You know, do it, do it. Um, <laughs> I like I, what what kind of experiences are we making in the world? One that I, I remember you and I talked about when we were, uh, we had just finished uh, the wedding in India was I had talked about my goal was to set this example um, of this quote that I read from one of Tim Ferriss's books talking about, you know, most people are living, um, you know, very mundane, monotonous lives. You know, we should, we got to go and create rich experiences. Create Which book is rich. This? Uh, I think this is in Four Hour Work Week. You create rich, meaningful experiences out of life. Um, uh-huh. And, and th- that was where I had really been at the time. Was <laughs> there's your copy, man? I, I just, just bought it a couple away. days ago. Yeah, I just because, <laughs> dude. I mean, I, I'm I'm really like, yeah. There's a lot more potential that I got to leverage and capitalize. So. I've known yeah. about this book for ages, and I'm like, you know what, dude? Yeah, I gotta start making these movies. But I'm very excited to read this. Uh, but please continue, because yeah. So I'll I'll give you a little update for the book. Um, okay. He talks about some um, um, some methods for passive income in there that are related to mail uh, and testing using like direct mail or something like that. It's been a little while since I read it. Um, you can kind of update that on your own to talk about. Because uh, he, he talks about magazine advertising, but obviously for us now in the uh, digital age, that, course, that would be uh, more yeah. centered around, you know, um, digital ads and things like that. So when you read that part, think about it, uh, think about that in, in an updated fashion. Uh, it I took will. me a second to really connect those dots. Mm. Okay. No, no, I mean, that's really yeah. spot on. Like finding the way to, because it's finding a way to how you can be intentional, use what you've learned and try to incorporate it, right? Um and it's, it's a shame, man, that really all this can begin, though. Like, even in, if we're going to talk business, talk relationships, what I've noticed for myself that's been helpful, and maybe you can attest to the same or even different, is I was able to get to certain points where I wouldn't mind any conversation with somebody or any how intense someone was being or anything like that, because I have found a way to provide myself, not just with the positivity of the mindset, but the tools mm-hmm. as well to complement that. Right. It's like yeah. finding that balance between being warm enough to connect, but competent enough to serve and to just really be a value. And when you combine those two, I think you really have a, a recipe for not just being this charismatic person, but someone who can really provide value in any instance. And it, mm-hmm. that for me needs to be a prereq before you get into any kind of business, even before you work for a company, before you begin a relationship. Any new venture is going to require you to increase your skills, be at a certain level, but then also commit to the never ending process of self-development and growth and tools, skill sets, mindsets, knowledge. It's all a culmination that never ends. And for yourself, and you got really rich experience because you were doing it literally with people at such a large number. And a lot of this was condensed within a, what, two, three, four year period that you did that? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's half a decade of condensed experiences. Yeah, man. I mean, you're com- you're literally compressing half a decade into, I'll say, hours. Because, you know, the yep. decades into days, you're doing half a decade into hours. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's powerful. So it, it, it's, it's funny that uh, we're actually on four-hour work week now because that was the book that really convinced me that it's time to um, to start building a life that uh, that is in alignment with my real values. Um mm 
that was that was the one that convinced me because uh, Tim does a great job of job of walking you through the questions in there that you would need to ask yourself to come up with um, answers to you know what is keeping you from living that best life and um, um, I'll, I'll give a little preview because I just I'm so I love this book so much, dude. I mean, if this book can help has help you like the way yeah. it has. I mean, I'm very open-minded. I'm really trying to have this be an accelerant. Yeah. I, well, yeah, let's just say by, right now I'm 26, by the age of 30, I definitely want to have like the the, the design of that life where not yeah. just about making impact, but you can literally live life on your terms and all these things. Because I know it's a process and I'm not, it's, it's fine that this happened overnight, but it's a testament to the investment you need to put that I'm fully behind. So like, yeah. Give it here, share it, because it's crucial. So this is a little bit of, th- this is a nugget for everyone listening. This oh, is, um, <laughs> so to, to condense down what he's saying, um, it's about what what is that perfect life you want to live? Go and plan it out down to the dollar, uh, down to the penny. I love it. And oh, then the you spread it out. I mean, you know, you, you could. I mean, it really just yeah, it I mean, gives I, you a I, much I clearer it. picture. Um, but what I literally did was I followed his advice and I, 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 I grabbed links of these million dollar things that I wanted in my life. Um, and I created this huge list of, uh, what the expenses would be like. And then I spread it across 12 months and he helped me understand what my 12 months, I, I, what my monthly income needs to look like, um, in order to live that lifestyle. And then he walks you through a couple of questions of, well, what's stopping you from living that life? And then once he walks you through, hey, what's stopping you? It's, hey, let's say you actually like go after this and you try it. I want you to imagine the worst possible nightmare of a situation where you go after it and you fail miserably. What is the worst that could happen? And now I want you to build a recovery plan. Um, and oh, th- you know how many of us actually awesome. like I got so excited when I when I walked through that because I was like, holy crap, this is this isn't even a nightmare, you know? If that's the worst that I can think of, and that means that nobody really has have is undefined expectations of future pain that they're allowing to prevent Ooh. them from entering into oh, the life they desire the most. Because that's incredible. Because so no, if they acknowledge yeah. the pain, it requires them to take personal responsibility. Oof. Man, I, I, I want, I'm going to definitely have to listen to that part again when you talk about redefining the nightmare, right? Because it's like kind of like it's the lack of preparation and really defining what that would look like the pain. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it definitely, from that perspective, for me, it is, of course, how you're interpreting it and the perception, but it's also the framework, right? Because a lot of times, yeah, you, like he says, like you just said, right? Make that plan that you want. And then if it fails, okay, then what's the recovery plan, right? Yeah. So it's like kind of having the backup, which, you know, it's like that expression. If you want to take the island, you got to burn your boats. I do agree with that. <laughs> At the same time, having yep. a framework like that you've adopted for the past couple of years, however many, you are really being more strategic instead of theory and putting it into action and then seeing what follows from that. Yeah. Um, so I'll even say this um, for, for folks that may say the glass is half empty. Still, it's still half full of air, you know? You, Jeez, you literally you can you always frame things in you abundance stop, <laughs> yeah that's true that's true and there's a glass i mean that's that's a piece of you can do stuff with that i like right? that 
It's a, there's a glass I like too. That. I mean, it's not cutting anybody. No one's bleeding from holding it. Yeah. No one ever, no one ever thinks of that. Where, where did this object you know? come from? This object could have been broken and shattered into a million pieces, but it's not. Wow. It's solid. There's potential there. Yeah, there's opportunity. Yeah, man, dude, I, I love this, man. I love this. Man, we, we are coming to the near of the hour, so I, th I think we want to throw a couple just key things I want to get from you, just so you're in. Let's see, because you put in the nugget of wisdom, which it's funny because that's how you usually conclude any of the recordings. Just like, oh, it's nugget of wisdom, so you beat me to it, just intuitively. Okay. That's quite nice. Um, we mentioned a couple books, right? The Navy Seal one, Four Hour Work Week. Uh, ba -bum -bum. Okay, that's. Um, I'm looking here because I, I do have someone I like to ask. Okay, what would be one if you were able to meet someone in history or current, but preferably in history, like they're deceased, that you would be able to spend, let's say, up to three hours with just talking and just learning and just diving into theory? Um, I, I actually do have a guess of who it may be, but feel free to say whoever you want. Who would that person be? And what would you really like to? Be able to leave the conversation with hmm. and you can take take like 20 seconds if you want not too much time <laughs> so actually i had an answer but now i have a better answer oh um, okay i would really like to meet victor frankel oh yeah okay um when i was going through my uh roughest patch in life um reading um reading his, his book, which now the name escapes me. Um, Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search, Man for, Search Meaning. for Meaning. There you go. Yeah. That, I, that I have was it here, book. so that's why I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So that, that was the book that um, helped me learn how to seek out the best in every situation. Because um, until you're in that moment where you've given up, you, like he – he was talking to the moon, hoping that his wife was listening on the other end Jesus. and she was already dead, Jeez. but yeah, it was I what got him through that, you know? And, oh. and he continued to write his book after the, um, um, after the war had ended. Um, oh. and oh. the other most powerful moment from that book was about, um, how there was this truck that had loaded everyone up to escape on, and he w it was him and one other person that they didn't manage to make it on the truck. And so they started freaking out. Um, and what they found later was that truck actually got taken to a home that they locked everyone inside and burned everyone alive. He survived every possible odds. And he had to keep, like, he had to willfully conjure up positivity and hope and joy in mm. his life in order to make it through these events and still find meaning after his entire world was destroyed. Right, and right. that for me was what I really related to um, when I was walking through what is even the point of being alive? Um, and so I would really yeah. love to, uh, to, to talk with him about uh, just some of his experiences and get more granular with the detail of like, you know, what were some of the dark and like i really i really really want to dig into what that nitty-gritty emotional standpoint looks like because we all uh i think we can agree at this day and age that even the most logical decisions are based off of emotion 
Oh yeah, that's so a like, good, it's like Hume talks about that or something where it's like yeah. the passions come first and the reason second, things like that. Um, what, uh, a point with what you were saying before, how they were going to get on the truck or something like that and they didn't get in. I mean, you know, it's like that old Western song, I believe, where it's, it goes, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Mm. You know, it's like we really want this. <laughs> and it, it, it even reminds me of, there's, yeah. a, there's a Chinese fable. Well, it's popular. It's attributed to being a Chinese fable. And it talks about there's a farmer and his son. They live in this town. And maybe you've heard of this, but there's a farmer and his son living in this town. And the they have, like, you know, the ranch and all that. And one of the horses leaves. And then the neighbor goes to the farmer and says, oh, my goodness, your, your horse left. That's terrible. And the farmer goes, well, maybe. And then the next day, the horse comes back with two other horses. The, far, the two more horses, your horse get back. Wow. Farmer goes, isn't that amazing? The farmer goes, maybe. And then the next day, the farmer's son gets on one of the horses, is playing, falls, and the poor boy breaks his leg you know, crying and just a big scene. And then the neighbor goes, oh my goodness, your boy broke his leg. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? And the farmer goes, maybe. And then the next day, a war starts in, in the nearby vicinity and the military comes and they're enlisting everyone who's of age and he's of age. But the military uh, comes by and says, okay, you know, we need everyone to enlist, but sees that the farmer's boy has a broken leg. So then he doesn't have to enlist. And the neighbor goes by and goes, oh my gosh, your son, he avoided the draft. Isn't that amazing? Like, isn't that? And then the farmer goes, maybe. <laughs> so it's just like, it, it's kind of that like sort of endless loop. Of course there are things that we prefer to happen, but even in that, like, you know, of course it's great that he wasn't put on that truck, right? Of course, my God, who would, no one would ever disagree with this. And so a lot of times what we think, that like, what we pray for that doesn't get answered could actually be the best thing that ever happened. And at the same time, it's like our worst day can really be our best day if we find a deep enough meaning inside of it. Yeah. And I think it's the beauty of what Viktor Frankl does. I mean, you know, he created logotherapy and it was his mm -hmm. thing sort of, how do you feel like, it's about creating meaning out of nothingness or of absolute pain. Because what that yeah. really does, Charles, that, that manages to put usually actually manages to put the victim because of course everyone in the holocaust this is terrible they were able to kind of reclaim some of the power the autonomy and when they control the meaning they control the narrative and then they're the ones who can regain a sense of identity because once you lose identity you're going to be like you said uh, going in the bathroom punching a mirror doing all these things because the identity is being shattered you don't even recognize who you are but that's beautiful, man, because yeah. this guy, that's that's a great answer. I'll say this. <laughs> that's yeah, really a great answer, man. Ultimately, like, that's what I, uh, that's part of what I'm coaching on now is, like, that, that's one of the practices that I, um, that, that I teach in, mm. in my program is, like, how to take any sour situation that you've been through in life, how to flip it to a positive and pull a powerful lesson out of it and walk you through a process where you condition that new uh, that new response so that you can start to feel you've gone through. Therefore, when nations in the future, you've reconditioned in your life. Therefore, you find new meaning and new purpose to your entire identity. Goodness, man.
That's powerful. That's powerful. We're going to have to do some work on that together to some capacity because, yeah, it's like, how do you rewrite the meaning and how do you find a way to just, again, it's reclaim your sense of your ability to make a decision that can actually yeah. have a direct consequence in alignment yeah. with some, to some extent of what you actually want. Because when, yeah. when that's stripped away of you, man, it's, yeah, it's very difficult. Of course, as Victor yeah. Frankl and millions of others know, it's, it's horrific, man. Oh, dude, that's excellent. I don't even know if we can really top that because that one I really like a lot. And we we can top it. Oh, we can top it? Okay, then let's... let's. I think we go for maybe two more we can have here. Um, let's do it. Then let's say... Oh, that's kind of similar. Okay, then what would be the biggest failure that had occurred? I mean, throughout the conversation, we talked about a lot of challenges. And, of course, it depends how you, inter- you define failure and all that but something that you wish hadn't happened, but you're glad that it did. If so, it, yeah, yeah. Cause it, it, I was actually, from what we talked about, but could be. No, I, I was hoping you would ask this question next. Um, okay. And I'm very glad you did uh, oh. because this is the one that I'm most excited to talk about out of anything. Oh, excellent. I'd like a pretty extreme guy i love skydiving and i love doing other extreme things like that so um i was uh i was doing a firewalk and right as the firewalk began i it i just i feel it right now um i got to this moment inside where suddenly I realized everything that was wrong with my entire life. And I've said this, you know, maybe a hundred times before, but this was the biggest revelation yet. And it's that I had allowed my entire life to be controlled by what my parents' destiny for my life was. And so over the course of that firewalk, I walked over, over it a hundred times. Um, and I just reconditioned this times? new... Yeah, it was a beautiful process, man. It's it's this gigantic conditioning of this new this new identity that that I was stepping into. Um, it was this physical metaphor of um, of you know what's that decision that I needed to make, and for me that was deciding to no longer leave the most important decisions in my life up to anyone else. And though they both supported me very much in my of being a mom star whatever whatever it was that I put my uh, that I put my mind to they were all about celebrating me um, but to some capacity that over time it conditioned me to believe that if I did things that displeased them if I did if I did what I wanted that it would be displeasing to them and that would ruin the relationship and so um, I had to learn to be okay with that. I had to learn to be okay with rocking the boat. I had to learn to be okay with upsetting people in order to remain my truest, most authentic self living unapologetically in this world so that I can stay unshakable in my mission so that I can support and love and serve others the best way that I can. But I can't do that if my decisions are tied uh, to pleasing my parents, you know, and that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy to put that responsibility on them mm-hmm. that, and, you know, you can't really be um, a good a good father. You can't really be a good husband um, if if the the life that you're living is to please other people. 
You know, you have to be able to to not only carve your own path as a man, uh, but also as a human. As some like we're called to interdependence, not codependence. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was really what it came down to was I had allowed some important decisions in my life to be guided by what's going to please my parents. And I didn't step into who I truly am today until I broke free from that. Um, and there's layers to it, you know? Um, but ultimately I had to realize that they're still going to love me and I'm still going to love them. And even if we don't agree, Hey, I mean, the world today is not what it used to be 10 years ago, you know? Oh yeah, dude, it's changing every second, but yeah, specifically 10 years. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's right on, like, living under not just the shadow, but if you deviate from their plan and they are, they never indicated that they would show you unconditional love or that there's room for not succeeding the first try or something like that on something, then what would be the incentive for you to go against the, the path? Because, I mean, one, it's territory that's unknown, it's uncharted, there's potential punishment, danger, fear. I mean, and, of course, we have like millions year old brain. We have the amygdala, fight or flight, everything freaking out. I mean, you want to protect yourself. But I think that's the beauty of what not just love, but a sense of truth can actually do because it can liberate you from the sense of fear. And it can reaffirm in yourself that, hey, mother and father, they're supposed to like, they're going to love you and see and see it through that you're able to kind of find your own path in a way. And if they're able to do that, man, then that's that's a blessing. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of children don't have this. And it's like what we were talking about before, where it's so easy to blame someone as like, oh, you monster. Oh, you devil. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, the, the journey to the road to evil, it's not a light switch. Right. We think it's a light mm-hmm. switch. Which, boom. Yeah. I mean, sure. But you also need to get the electricity. You need to get the light switch itself. You need to bolt in the screws. It builds over time. Yeah. So that's a big part about showing grace being humble enough to know that that could have been you. But I would say even the largest form of grace for yourself and for someone else is how can you manage to forgive and say, hey, let's move on from this. Let's build from that because you are responsible for the decisions you made, but it's not absolutely a determinant of who you're going to be down the road. And for yourself, the way that you can pull from that, pull from the bounds of what a mom or dad may have influenced you to do. I mean, it takes courage and also finding out who is Charles Meyer and what does he ultimately want to do with his life? So, you know, it's, it's so funny how, um, how we allow all these different overlaps to happen in our lives. Um, and I'll, I'll say one of the most interesting ways that all of this has been intertwined with who I am today expectations we have expectations that uh reality is going to meet our belief systems Mm -hmm. you know and so um it doesn't matter necessarily what even actions we put out there if our beliefs are not based in reality um and you know you can have someone next door that believes something completely different um and you know i i mean i I live, I, I live next to people that believe things completely differently from me, but I mean, we all know how to get along. Now, even then, um, they are living completely different lives, maybe a couple hundred feet away from me. And so the expectations um, that if the world were to end um, or 
you know, or there was a civilizational collapse um, or whatever happens, you know, a part of me would say, you know, hey, I expect them to be a certain way. But even I think some movies do a really great job of displaying this, how, you know, we expect people to be civil. Um, but the reality is it typically brings out this this side of us that um, that has been suppressed for so long. We go back to this fight or flight. Um, and so when how I'm trying to relate this right now is that it comes down to even in my marriage um, and even in my business relationships, we have these expectations of how other people are supposed to interact with us. You have these expectations of what a civil conversation looks like. We have these expectations of how to respond accordingly or what jokes are okay or not okay. Uh, everything around us is about beliefs, expectations, and actions that either condition our identity or break it. And mm. if it breaks it, how do we choose to respond to that? Do we try and force our way un in an uncivilized manner to, uh, to scrounge back what we can of that uh, loose identity that we held beforehand? Or do we choose to accept change and remove expectations from um, uh, from what we what we want the outcomes to be of our interactions with the world around us. Like, mm. I, I I left myself devastated and disappointed with most of my life because I had these expectations of how things should be. Um, and when I started removing those expectations, I was able to uh, to see the world for how it is and appreciate all my blessings. Not only did that bring me as grounded as I am today in the present, but also it created a way for me to start to uh, view, you know, as we had talked about, a glass being half full, um, or even if it's half empty, still has air. It's still a solid glass, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, to, to personal responsibility to remove expectation, to receive change willingly, and love people where they're at without trying to fix or change them because mm, I mean, great. I'm not their savior. And if I, that's really big, if I actually, were, yeah. I mean, the world's in trouble, you know, <laughs> like right. we can only help each other get so far, you know, I can help the people immediately behind me, but I mean, I'm still looking for people to, to, to pull me up, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And you look at how can in theory become a, not in theory, but really actually becoming a domino effect in a way. Right, where yeah. it's not, I mean, there's, um, it's a book, it's called 12 Rules for Life. And one of them is, yep. like, it's, I'm going to forget it, but it's basically like, one of them that's really nice is it's like clean your room or something like that. And it's not just working on the internal before you criticize the external, because just, but literally think about this, just like uh, logically, or even just yeah, very rationally, like what can you control? And then, okay, put in, the certain inputs that can change the output but if you can't change the yeah. inputs then you expect a different output that's wishful thinking that isn't going to probably go anywhere and if it does you're going to say oh look at that it's like a superstition like oh if i snap my fingers three times before i shoot this basketball and i make it that's because i snap my finger three times like yeah. come on give me a break i mean you know it, it just really i'm all for ritual no i look i mean look i play basketball when I shoot my free throws, yeah. I, get, I get to the line, spin the ball backwards. There's about maybe seven rotations, dribble yeah. twice, inhale, look at the rim, exhale, 
bend my knees, come up, bend my knees again, and then follow through. I do that every single time for the past like three mm. years. I'm about it. Just what are we going to do to realize that some things are in your control and some things aren't, which yeah. there's an overlap with stoicism. And that's a, a school of thought that I actually really resonate with. I really admire yeah. it quite a bit. And again, to that endless concept, you have the neighbors who are very different. Okay. But you still get along. Great. Why? Yeah. Because there's certain behaviors you're taking, like certain actions you're taking that are stemming from beliefs because all actions and choices stem from beliefs, right? Your belief mm -hmm. is that prereq for a ch uh, choice, uh, an action, a behavior that's taken. Boom. With your neighbors, you're able to connect because you have, correct me if I'm wrong, but are going in with the intent, not maybe how do we be best friends, but how can we connect with others? How yeah. can we not just be civil, but even maybe an hour ago in the conversation talking about, I think what makes us have the ability to succeed, right? It was like nature, nurture, a balance of this stuff. It's yep. really our ability to work together that brings us to success. Because Charles, yep. on your own, could you figure out the numerical system? Let's say if you were a baby born in the jungle, would you, by the time you're 30, if you lived that long, and you were eaten by snakes or cheetahs, whatever, that you would have been able to create the numerical system from zero to 10 or zero to nine, let's say, know what these symbols are and create units of math and measurement all on your own? Definitely not. Uh, dude, it's insane. So like, oh my God, seriously. It's yeah. the collaboration we have that can, if we put the minds together, that can do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't want to do this because it seems if we do take, and this is a point that I'm learning recently that you've done very well, where you're talking about accepting criticism and things like that, which I've really improved on this. I do it if it makes sense, right? If the criticism makes sense, I'll take it. If not, I'm like, yeah. okay, does something about this make sense? But once you start to do that, you're going to find out that you slowed down in order to speed up. You pulled mm. back the bow and arrow in order to shoot further, right? Yes. That's kind of and that's what you've been doing for the past, it's now, I mean, years. And look at the results you're getting now. Look at the outcome. Look at who you're influencing. And where did that, where did that begin? Did that begin with the external or the internal? Dude, yeah, it all began with that internal man. That's because, right. I mean, <laughs> reading that uh, 12 Rules for Life book, I mean, clean yes, your room. That was, that was the biggest takeaway because, that like, everything was a mess. And then I decided, Hey, I'm unhappy with this. I had to raise my standard mm. both internally and externally. But when you work on one, you can affect the other, but internal over external every time. Yeah. But well, when you work on the external, how does the internal really change? You know? Yeah. There, it can't there you go. So much chance and circumstance. And yeah. you know, a lot of it is luck, but what do you control? So I have an interesting uh, thing about this. My family um, or I mean, the, the family I was born into, we have a garage, most, you know, much like most people do. And yeah. <laughs> um, either you're, you have a garage that is extremely organized or you have a garage that it looks like, like a bomb went off. Oh my gosh. And that was so ours. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah. And so, you know, that was how I learned how to keep a house. Um, and we had a very, mm. like, very nice house. It was very clean all the time. But we would clean it and it would be immediately messy. Then we would clean it again and it would be immediately messy. And it was not just right. about our external dynamic. It was about everything that was going on inside of us. If we Ooh. had to raise that standard, our external would have consistently reflected, not just, right. you know, for a little bit. And that was ultimately what I had to, to make a change in my life when I got married was that I had to change the internal 
to see consistent external results because otherwise you're just on this roller coaster and eventually you're going to get burnt out, you know? And wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, like the results, your results are a reflection of your standards is kind of what you're getting. Yeah. At. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I saw those same results when I was making eight figure quotas. Um, and then I would be at a low point and I'd only make seven figures. And then I, you know, be at a high point at making eight figure quotas again, low point, seven figures. And it all had to reflect of, of my internal state, you know? Mm, mm. And it's, yeah, how, the internal state. I mean, the standards thing is so key, man. I mean, when it comes to the garage is a nice metaphor. Uh, specifically, though, when it's coming in the marriage aspect, that it's not necessarily trying to change the other person because you really can't. You can influence. But what are you, you can change yourself. That's a fact. Of yeah. course you can. A hundred percent. I mean, who in the world would disagree with that? Right? Yeah. And when you do that, look at how the other things are going to flourish. And this is what I always share that what is the worst outcome of you learning a couple of new skills, a couple of new methods, a couple of new techniques, whatever, that helps you gain more value as a person. Yeah. If you do that, and let's say the result is the person you're dating or your romantic interest or something, it doesn't work out. Okay, mm-hmm. great. But you still are building a foundation and you're creating a pattern of certain habits that instead of you going from a state of being unconsciously incompetent, that you don't even know that you're not, a, like that you, you don't even know where you're lacking. That's the lowest state. And then transitioning to the point where you're unconsciously competent. You don't even have yeah. to think about it. And you're operating within this relationship of any dynamic and it's autopilot. And it's in alignment with who you are, but because again, yes, you've eliminated not eliminated the external, but you've refocused on the internal, which is really where your control ultimately lies. That's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. And I, look, yeah, I wish it was um, easier said than done. I wish it was, but sometimes it is. Like reach that yeah. threshold, and then, like, don't. This is how I'll, I'll say, it, and I, I want to pass it back to you. It's at a certain yeah. point, and this is what really got me into not doing things that are really mundane and just wanting to read and learn like a maniac as much as I can, because it gets very cyclical, the patterns. And how does that not get boring at a certain point? Cause you're really like, are you living one life? No, you're, for me, it's like, you're living a lot of fragmented lives, but mm. there's an illusion that you're living one that's consistent and that's in alignment with what you want. And yes. maybe that's a little complicated, but to simplify that point, it's, Autopilot isn't necessarily bad or wrong, just isn't in alignment with what you want. And are you experiencing more than one life and the one life you actually have? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, so it's so funny, man. Um, the, the, the coaching program that I run, it's around identifying who gave you your programming and Ooh. then we reprogram. Um, because so much of it does have to do with, um, you know, who's making the rules. And if you enter that next phase of your life, you can't bring old tools to new rules. Oh, whoa. Okay. I got to write that down. That is what I'll do. There's a, there's a handful, but this one immediately, you can't bring old tools to new rules. Yeah. Oh my Um, gosh. And like, I mean, there's a billion different nuances, but I'd say that's a pretty solid one that I've used consistently as I learned to accept change in life. Um, And I would say an adjacent, um, an adjacent lesson I've learned through that would be that, you know, you you can only heal what you can feel. So if you suppress 
you what you down. need to. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, you can only the... heal. You can only... <laughs> it's so good. You, you can only heal what you can feel. Um, and the reason this is adjacent uh, is because if you don't heal, then you allow that wound to affect every area of your life, your business, right, relationships, right. your your everything. And so you're bringing an old tool to a new rule. Wow. That old tool is your way of handling uh, certain patterns in life. The new tool is where you learn to say, okay, this old thing isn't working anymore. Maybe, oh, hey, holy crap, I was hurt in this one area of life. Maybe if I find healing from this, I can learn how to move forward without expecting to receive pain in what appears to be a similar future situation, which really isn't, but it reminds me of something that I've gone through in the past that causes me pain. So you heal through it, then you can change the pattern. So reprogramming, it's... It's not brainwash. You know, it's not hypnotism. It's looking at the science of our psychology and saying, what needs were not met in a healthy way? And how can I learn to meet those? In a- yes, man. Yes, 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 yes. Serve those around me. Yeah, there's a great, well, you know, there's a model that's called the six human needs. And yeah. what, like one of the prime examples is the need for significance, right? Yep. And one example that could be given is you can meet the, meet the need for significance in a myriad of ways. Now, yeah. someone can meet significance by, you know, helping a neighbor, helping someone who's sick, helping at the soup kitchen or something like that. Now, someone else, let's say in the inner city or where there's more poverty to some extent, can, if, let's say they feel so insignificant. Now, what happens if they go to town with a gun, go to your face and say, hey, give me all your money or like whatever. How mm-hmm. significant is that person now? Yeah, million. I mean, no, dude, nothing else matters in that moment, right? Yep. So, but like you're saying, what vehicle are they using in order to get that get to that need that they're trying to fulfill? Yeah, they're after the same thing: significance. Just what path are you going to take? What vehicle are you going to take? A car? Are you going to take a bike? Are you going to take a scooter? Are you going to take mm-hmm. a skateboard? Are you going to take a plane? Just how are you going to get to that point? And yeah. what are their what are their outcomes going to be? Probably. That the person with the gun may go to jail, may kill someone, my God. And the other person probably is going to go home feeling richer and more fulfilled. Yeah. Because of the choice like they made. Absolutely, man. You know, personal responsibility is so important. And that's why it is each of our personal responsibilities to heal, to bring new rules and new tools to the table, to bring our changes, our experiences, our lessons. Uh, to bring our vulnerability ultimately, but that only comes from a place of authenticity. And so in order to find that way that you can serve the world better each and every day, you really do got to start with with authenticity. Get Mm. vulnerable, get real, bring your real self, because when you do that, it it, it attracts the right people. It brings you uh, you become a magnet for that which you seek so mm. i had uh i had this renter one time who was um he was not really in a good place in life and all he attracted was uh people that were homeless people that were drug dealers um and um i mean he those were the people that he naturally found um and it it, it was a very sad example because over time what ended up happening um was he found this uh, this person who was schizophrenic, uh, nineteen, uh, and ended up stabbing um, this dude, like my renter's boss, in a house uh, that was maybe five minutes from Whoa. where we live. 
everyone Dude. knows where my friend lives. The friend um, makes a decision to call the cops on the dude, which best decision he ever could have made. Um, and ultimately, like, I thought that was a really crazy thing to do for him to even get mixed up in this in the first place. But that was a result of the actions that he took to surround himself with the people that he did because of the mannerisms he displayed and the emotional outcomes that he received from being around those people. And that that led me to fly down um, you know, to another state and spend time there, uh, which I, I got to spend the best time of my life with my wife. Uh, well now wife. And like, uh, so I got some, some goodness out of it. Um, the, everyone ended up okay. Uh, the one dude, um, I hope he's okay. He's in prison now, but I really hope that mm-hmm. you know, he's really bettering his life and he's reflecting on the decisions that were made. Um, and I, you know, got rid of that renter. Don't talk to him anymore. Not, not in a good place, but I really hope he's, you know, like I've got all the love in the world for him. I mean, he's a good kid. So it really does come down ultimately to, um, the personal responsibility that we each hold. I could never change him. He could never change me, but he also viewed me like I was his parent because his parents were pretty controlling. Um, and so he saw me as that new authority figure in his life. So he associated my role as a landlord with that of a parent trying to control him and make decisions for his life. Um, and so it was, it was this horrible dynamic because, um, you know, he he surrounded himself with, with the wrong people and that, and because I allowed that to pour over into my life, um, I mean, I was impacted by that. Oh, but you know, do I, um, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the time that I really did that the only way forward was to accept, okay, this is happening. Time to make some changes in my personal life. Time to make some very impactful decisions. Um, and I'm going to do my best to love everyone in this process. Um, but ultimately I have to be aligned with what's most important to me. Otherwise, I can please everyone else and I can be dead in the process. So Oof. yeah, um, yeah. I had to be authentic. You know, I, I had to be real about, hey, I'm freaked out. I am scared. I will admit that. But I'm not going to allow myself to be driven by fear. I'm going to dance with it. I'm going to attack fear. I'm going to go after yes, it. I, yeah, yeah, yep. You know, and for me, that looked like take a moment, breathe, get strategic with what I want to do with my life in this moment. And it is not going to run away. It is not stay hunkered down here. It is get out as fast as I can uh, with a plan in place. Um, and, you know, it, it all ties back to that analysis. Bo, um, I, I had to take a second to say, hey, you know, I feel like there's backlash coming to the house. I don't want to be here when things go down. Nothing even happened. But I was I was not prepared for a situation like that. So personal responsibility lesson for me. Yep. Check your renters better next time. Um, oh, next well, lesson, that <laughs> have that emotional awareness under control, you know. Mm. Um, don't shut down. Stay connected. Stay present because that's the only way that you can create the best outcome possible. And that was ultimately what happened. Um, so I think that, that, that was one of my most powerful examples, you know. No, I mean, it's it's recognizing the role that you can play and always understanding that there is an influence you can have for someone without even knowing it. Yeah. I mean, dude, everyone we interact with is playing. I mean, just think about even if you're watching a movie, because we talk about life being a movie, really, 
let's yeah. say you're the main character, sure, and you have all the extras. They may be irrelevant, but they're still like they're supporting cast. There, there's an interaction. It helps develop the character, the arc, the different variables, all these things. So I mean, that's that's a great spot, man. And look, we're gonna have to do this one again because this was beautiful. I I, I am gonna head. Yeah. But before we go, I do wanna just I mean, thank you, man, for just the insight. Uh, this is I mean, my goodness, we go so deep, and I'm excited for the field you're going into because that's a field that I'm also in in myself and just working to build. So of course we'll talk about stuff with this, and like you said, you were, you really were concluding there about the vulnerability and the authenticity, and look at what that has brought you, and for others who listen to this and just the other people you speak with, that neighbor who's outside at 3 a.m. on the phone yelling, you know, does she need reprimandation or to be reprimanded, or does she need grace, love, acceptance? Yeah, caring, right? I mean, hurt people hurt people, and healed people yeah. heal people. Or yes. healing people. Because I don't know if you're ever fully healed. Yeah. I think it's always a process. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. always a process. But Charles, a pleasure. Um, if you want to do a little plug, or I mean, I'll put the links and stuff at the end for anything. You have the books I'll put, a uh, place to find your website, because I know that you created one. I checked it out. It was like the, the questionnaire thing that you did. So I'll include yes. that. And uh, any okay. parting words? Any parting words you want to leave with? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to say that if you're in a place, uh, whoever you are listening out there, if you're in a place where you have all of this pain stacked up and you're not sure what to do with it, um, the battle begins and ends with your willingness and desire to live the life that you need to live, to become who you need to become, to serve the way that you need to serve. It, and it for me, that relates back to the story of falling in my grave over and over again. I reached a boiling point where I knew change needed to happen and it started with me and it started now. And if I didn't make that change, I never would. So if you knew you need to make a change, make the change before you give up on making that change. It starts mm. with the decision to live. Um, and that link that I, uh, uh, to my website right now, that's an application uh, to, uh, to get in touch with me and figure out if we're right to work together. Um, you know, so I appreciate that plug, man. Thank you. Oh man. I'm going to put it there too, man. And like a question that you can conclude with that I like to ask after these conversations is saying, yeah, you know, it's got to happen eventually. I just don't know when you can always ask them. I hear what you're saying. So when would now be a good time? Ooh. When would now be? No, what do you, wait, mm-hmm. Oh, now. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's a little, yeah. bad, but man, a pleasure. I, I do have the little rendezvous I do got to attend to my friend. I mean, we're going to end here and then we'll conclude in the separate thing. Okay. But a pleasure. I mean, I'm excited to share this. This I believe is probably one of my best ones yet because it, it definitely resonated and there's a lot of overlap. So I appreciate it, Charles. I'm going to end it here and then we'll talk for a bit. Sounds good, man. All right, I'll talk to you next time. All right.